Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Saturday, July 18th. And you know, on the weekends, we really like to feature an interview with someone interesting who can help us think about the current world in different ways. It is such a great pleasure for me to introduce you to Teresa Ghilarducci. She is a labor economist and a nationally recognized expert in retirement security. She's a professor at the New School. And, you know, she's on sabbatical right now, but she still agreed to do this. She does fantastic research. And so in part one of this interview, she's going to really focus on the impact of COVID on the folks who are a little bit older in our workforce and what we should expect in terms of job losses, how many will be permanent. So here is the first part of our interview with Teresa Ghilarducci. Over the last three, four months, we've had almost 50 million Americans file for unemployment benefits. It's just a mind-boggling number. So how would you characterize the current labor market? We economists are wondering um, whether or not this is just an artifact of the virus and the shutdown we need because the virologists tell us that this is the way to, to curb the virus. And that we're just pausing an otherwise healthy economy. And when we have a vaccine or good therapeutics, we're going to snap back right to where we were. Or there was underlying weakness in our economy before we got here. And what the COVID shutdown is doing is just exposing um, those weaknesses. And when we come back from the pandemic, we are going to have much higher rates of unemployment. So the unemployment numbers are the highest we've seen since the Great Depression. But are they real? Are they permanent? We're finding that for older workers, for instance, many of these will be permanent job losses. Mm. And we find millions of people in their 50s who are working who are on a very rocky off-ramp um, to retirement or to a world of very uncertain um, work. And that's the population that we're looking um, at. What is that off-ramp from full-time career work you know, to the next chapter? And this recession with these unemployment numbers have completely changed what that off-ramp looks like. Now, prior to the pandemic, it was seemingly good news for older employees that, you know, people were going back to work and there were some people who were working longer. And if I recall in the 2008-2009 downturn, didn't older workers fare better during that recession? What's oh, What explains that now? Great memory. So what is fascinating about this recession is that older workers aren't as insulated as they were in the great financial recession, that recession of 2008-2009. Now, older workers in that recession had lower unemployment rates than the younger workers. That's, that's for sure. But if they did lose their jobs, Jill, they had a much longer time getting another job. And if they got another job, it paid about 25% less. So, yes, the rates were lower than younger workers, but the implications of being unemployed were worse for older workers then. In this recession, we discovered that older workers don't have the traditional advantages, that older workers who are specially 
educated, have higher unemployment rates than younger educated workers in this recession. We think it's because it has to do with the industries that have been hard hit. Industries that have been hard hit are, of course, leisure and hospitality. We all know that. But also healthcare and education services. Healthcare, not because we don't have a need for doctors, but a lot of elective surgeries and a lot of elective um, visits to healthcare offices were postponed. Think dentist offices or, or surgery centers. All those were flatlined in the last quarter and the second quarter especially. We think the reason why older workers are really hard hit by this unemployment numbers is because they have two bad choices. Older workers can work, and because this virus hits older people much worse than younger people because of, I learned a fancy new word, immunosenescence, Mm. it means um, your immune system just starts to decline. And even though we run and eat our vegetables and brush our teeth, doing everything right, older people, and this starts around 40 to 50, just lose their PEP, their immune immune system lose their PEP. And this is why the, the virus particularly affects older people worse. Older people are at more at risk in going back to work. Now, some jobs don't require as much human interaction or some jobs have a component that can be done at work, but most jobs need to be done with either customers or coworkers. And because more protection is needed because of them, they may be perceived as more expensive, Jill, hmm. um, in coming back to work in this um, in this recession. So, if you think um, about all those people who are collecting unemployment, so I guess that you know, eighteen million people mm-hmm. who are collecting unemployment benefits, and it looked to me like. There were 18 million, but then another 15 million under the pandemic um, unemployment assistance. So the the plan for gig workers. If you look at all of those jobs, and we look at the the impact on older workers. And by the way, when we say older workers, everyone like I feel like I'm one of those older workers. So let's like anyone over 50. Let's just say, what percentage or raw numbers do you think are just not coming back? You know, we have 137 a million people who are who are in the labor force in America. So 137 souls in America are either working or looking for work. A good many of them, 47, almost 50 million of them are are workers over 50. Jill, let's take a step back. Older workers, workers over 50 are the fastest growing group in our labor market. So when we think about how powerful the U.S. labor market is. Think about an older person with gray hair. Hmm. It's because of the baby boomers. The boomers are more educated than their parents before them, and there's so many of them. Now, the millennials, you know, or about 70 million of them are in their 20s and 30s, but many of them are still in school or not quite in um, the labor force yet. Um, So the fastest growing group are over 50. So if you want productivity, if you want power in the U.S. economy, you need to pay attention to these older workers. So those 50 million of them, we actually think 20 percent of them won't go back to work. Oof. Um, Yeah. Um, And it's because they're disproportionately in jobs that are at risk of being permanently reshuffled or redone. And they're also in jobs, they're disproportionately in jobs that are essential work or frontline jobs that are essentially more more dangerous. Older workers don't seem to be more likely to be in 
jobs that will allow you to work um, away from home. Again, think of education and healthcare workers. You can't do that kind of service work, you know, um, in your back bedroom. 10 million people, that's huge. Some of those people were not prepared to retire. Yeah. I don't even know what to say yeah. about that. It's like breathtaking. So what what's yeah. the advice that we're giving these people? I share your your breathlessness. We know that the people that were approaching retirement at age 65 were not prepared. And so our policies were trying to get more money in their retirement account, try to spend less, try to find jobs um, if they've been involuntarily retired, you know, kind of laid off, pushed out by their career work to try to stay um, in the labor force with you know part-time jobs, also to delay collecting social security. Now we have that same advice, Jill. Cut your spending, try to save more if you if you can at this at the same time. Delay collecting social security, try to get some kind of a part-time job. And now we're saying that to people who are younger, so delaying social security is not a matter of one or two years, but eight. Try to get a part-time job in an economy where 20% of the people, if we count it right, are unemployed. That's just a ridiculous kind of advice. Mm-hmm. And save more is also ridiculous advice. So us us financial advisors, personal financial advisors, really have a lot of pointless stuff to tell a person to do. What I lean to is to say, remember, the government is a really important partner an important partner in your retirement security and make sure when you vote that you vote to maintain your Medicare, Mm. perhaps lower the Medicare age to age 50. This may become a really important campaign um, issue. If we lowered the Medicare age to 50, all these older workers who are losing their jobs and their health insurance may find a lot of refuge in going to Medicare and not having to go on the the exchanges, which are very, very expensive, five times more costly um, to get a policy than for younger workers. So as a personal advice, and that's where you you rest and I rest there too, we find that older workers, these millions, are facing really hard choices. Mm. I want to maybe speak to your listeners who are older, who are afraid of, of getting sick on the job, but still have a job. My advice to them is to really get a hazmat suit or do whatever you can to make going to work safer for you, but don't don't quit your job um, because of, of the health risks. There are a lot of ways to go to work that will make it safer. Do all that. Uh, maybe even go overboard, but don't quit your job because you're afraid of the virus. It seems like such a uh, Hobbesian choice here. So that's what it gets very scary, of course. I'm wondering how you feel about some of the relief for retirement accounts that were enacted as part of the response to COVID. How do you feel about the idea that there is no early distribution penalty on a retirement account or the beefing up of loans. What's your view on that? You know, we in the retirement world thought that was just awful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to put a fine point on it. Now is not the time to encourage people to withdraw from their retirement accounts. I think it's almost elitist um, proposal because People who are well off will not withdraw from their retirement accounts, and they'll be able to keep their money in those retirement accounts and take advantage 
of now what we're seeing are, are increases in the stock market. People who took money out of their accounts in March and April took money out of their accounts when the asset values were at their lowest level. We had a Congress that said, we're going to encourage you to sell low. And then if they come back into the market, they'll buy high. This is just the opposite of the advice we give to people, you know, selling low, buying high. Congress opened up the floodgates for people who were most desperate um, to do just that. Congress should have said, hey, we want to preserve your retirement accounts. They could have had a whole system of emergency loans available from the Treasury Department. They could have actually increased the stimulus checks. You know, maybe for some people, it should have been $2,000. So I'm sad that mm-hmm. Congress passed that, that legislation. What is it that you think, um, I, I know you've written so much about retirement, you study this, um, you wrote that fabulous book with Tony James called Rescuing Retirement, which I loved. What do you think has to happen in terms of the way this country looks at retirement in light of the fact that we have now had two pretty awful recessions within a decade, essentially? What should happen next? Oh, Jill, that's such a good question. Look, we have these crises as if they're big surprises. We have them about every 10 years. And the fact that they're repeating If it's not COVID, it's going to be home mortgages. It's going to be something else. These are times that really put the retirement system in focus. So what has to happen is in the stimulus plans, we have to focus on older workers and and retirees. They were ignored in these last stimulus plans. And that makes no sense since this virus and recession are really impacting older older workers the most and their retirement security. What should happen is that the next stimulus bill helps businesses put money aside for their employees. Hmm. So as small business is encouraged to use their paycheck protection program money to keep their workers on, on the payroll, we should also forgive loans where the small businesses put federal money into the retirement accounts of small business. That would really help shore up the retirement accounts for the 63 million American workers that don't have anything because most of them work for small business. Number two, we have to pay attention to older workers' insecurity for health insurance. Drop the Medicare age uh, to age 50. Number three, we have to use the social security system to prevent poverty among older workers. We can boost the bottom benefit called raising the minimum benefit. And it doesn't cost that much to bring everybody who's over 65 out from under the poverty line, to move them above the poverty line. Um, That would be good for the economy because they would have more spending money and it would also be good morally. Okay, we'll feature the second part of our interview with Teresa tomorrow. If you have a question or a comment about anything we discussed, please feel free to email us, askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. As always, we really would love it if you could rate or review us and subscribe to the program because that's how we get all the great benefits of a broader community. So if you can pass along this podcast, subscribe, anything to help us out, we would really appreciate it. As always, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and try to lift somebody up today. Do something nice. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.